Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm going to be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate this this is joe cole this is ruben off the cheek and you're listening to the london London is blue podcast All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London Is Blue podcast. As always, your host, Brandon, joined by Nick and Dan, my co-host. Gentlemen, this is midweek match review time. All right, London Derby, Arsenal. A bit of a bogey team, Dan, in the last uh, few seasons yet. We heard Arteta say post-match the first time they won in some 10 seasons at Stamford Bridge. Not exactly the stat we were hoping for tonight. Look, it was a unfortunate result in a run of really great energy and emotion. And I think to that point, Nick, it was a little bit of a deflating of the balloon, as it were, of the positivity of Chelsea supporters and probably not what we wanted on a midweek pod. No. I mean, I mentioned this beforehand. I mean, if, if before this match started, if you would have told us, hey, you'll get three points between Arsenal and City we would have guessed those three points would have come against Arsenal and not City. Uh, but today today feels like losing more than three points to me. It, it makes it like it feels like losing two games in a row because they're so bad and we had been riding this wave. And not to mention that I fucking hate them uh, more than any other club in England. So, yeah, yeah, today was not good. All right. Well, obviously, we are going to be talking about the Arsenal match review. It didn't go well for the Blues, so we'll probably keep this one a little bit tighter. Um, but obviously, you know, we're going to be talking about what went wrong, a little bit of the whys, and and maybe one thing we hope that uh, Tommy T uh, learned from this experiment. And he had some pretty strong quotes after the match too about his own selection process. So I'm sure we'll touch on that. But to kick it off, we do have the three word match reviews, uh, Dan. Bet these are going to be pretty pretty somber, if I if I had to guess. I don't know. There were a couple that were funny. Some people were able to find a little humor in all of this. Trey with the not great Dan, but he followed up with the Arsenal XG J point five. That's so good. That's so. <laughs> that's is, one of my favorites of the entire season. That's yeah. very good. He said he was on the Schneid. He felt like he was uh, in jail in the uh, the three word match review penitentiary, and uh, he's busted out. And Luke had the out of gas, Mister Thurman with the back pass blues, Matthew with the out Arsenal lolololds, 
Arsenal. Michael with the Chelsea post defeat, and then Grant James, a good friend of the pod, with the 62 without SOT, which I think is a really good summary of uh, our attacking ineptitude. Yeah, uh, there's obviously a couple that probably ring a little bit truer than than most days. But Nick, what is your three-word match review? Boring, boring Arsenal. Do you remember there was a time when Chelsea used to be called boring? This Arsenal squad are terrible, and they don't do anything. It's like the meme where the guy's poking the thing with the stick. It's like, hey, do something. Do something. Do something. something. (laughs) Nothing. Pretty, Pretty lifeless. Dan, what about you? Mine is a question. The new Bournemouth? Are <laughs> Arsenal now our new Bournemouth? No. A plucky up-and-coming side that maybe is struggling to find an identity, that can't get into European football, that thinks they're better than they are, you know, just trying to punch above their weight. And uh, Maybe they are. Maybe they're the new Bournemouth. Real scrappy underdog, you know. Yeah. I think uh, relegation hit Bournemouth real hard uh, right between the eyes. So, uh, so much for up-and-coming. Um, I went with Tuchel lineup tinkering, uh, kind of taking a page right out of Tuchel's book and, uh, talked about maybe too many changes today, Bob. But I tell you what, when I saw the lineup, I was like, all right, this team is absolutely good enough to beat this team. Especially, you know, we've seen Billy against Manchester city. We've seen, you know, all of these players in attack do well. It just did not click today at all. So, uh, we'll be getting into that to say the least. So, uh, here we go. Match review time. It was Arsenal in the Premier League this past Wednesday, the 12th of May. It was at Stanford Bridge, sadly, to report that one. Uh, scoreline, Chelsea nil, Arsenal one. So we'll go ahead and turn over to the Chelsea fifth stand app, the only official app out there for Chelsea FC. If you don't, please go download it now. But uh, let's see what they have for recap of this one. Here we go. Havertz picks the pocket and he's in. If he's quick enough, he is. Has he got the finish? Oh, no, he hasn't. What a chance. A shame as well. He's quick, you know, Ben. That's a slow ball back to him. But this is not there. And that's his back pass. And it's kept out unbelievably by Kepa. But it's still going to be a goal, surely. That is ridiculous. Emil Smith-Rowe puts Arsenal in front. It's a joke of a goal. I can't believe what I've just seen. He's done his best there, Kepa. But, oh, calm head by Aubameyang. And Smith-Rowe gets on the end of it. Aspilicueta, who's not really getting much rest time at the moment, says so Aspilicueta. Started every Thomas Tuchel Premier League game till that Brighton match. And that's his ball, and Pulisic can cut it back for Mount. Oh. That is more like it. Much better football and a good chance, and a block that saves Arsenal's lead. That's what I was saying to you, Ben, though. That's what we needed. This is what we need. Something like that. Pulisic. Oh, Chilwell's done brilliantly. He's got the better of Saka. Leno's there, so's Mount. Okay, Saka has absolutely got away with one here. Corner in towards Havertz. And then Pulisic, who I think will have to be offside, won't he? Well, it's not been given. Let's hope so. Oh, he's offside, yeah. He's finished it well. He's got his body there, but definitely offside. That's excellent. From Giroud. The take, the turn, the pass. Hudson Adoy, Pulisic, oh, couldn't get hold of it. And in the context of this second half, that goes down as a big opportunity. Zoom up. The loopy hit hits the crossbar, and the follow-up oh. hits the crossbar too. You are joking. Great ahead of my Kurt Zuma. So unlucky Giroud with that follow-up, wasn't he? 
It is another twist in the tail of the top four. Saturday's cup final must and surely will be better than this. One bad game, one bad mistake, one nil to the Arsenal. All right, Dan, lineup time. Well, some players played on the pitch. They lost the game, and uh, there were 11 of them that played for Chelsea. Uh, they included Kepa Rithabuaga, Cesar Espelqueta, Thiago Silva, Kurt Zuma, Reese James, Billy Gilmore, Jorginho, Ben Chilwell, Mason Mount, Christian Pulisic, and Kai Havertz. Unused subs included Marcus Alonso, Timo Werner, Edouard Mendy, Emerson Homeri, Tino Andrin, and Valentino Livermento, best name at the club currently. Olivia Giroud, Kalmut Zinedoy, and Hakim Ziyech all came in as substitutes. Yeah, we've got, we've got some stats to go over here, which I think we might be able to come back around to and, and, and touch on. Um, but we had Chelsea... Uh, with, let's see, 68% possession. Uh, was not expecting a number that high. We had 19 shots, five of them on target. Uh, we got those out of the way early, though, I think, as we've touched on. Arsenal with five shots, two on target. 89% pass accuracy there, 79%. We had seven fouls there, six. Only caution went to them. No red cards, four offsides to their two, nine corners to their one. The the one that hurt my heart the most was probably at the end when we didn't even clear the first defender yet again in crunch time in about the 89th minute. Uh, at Absolute Chelsea, Nick, with the uh, absolute gut punch, I'd say, here on this one. <laughs> uh, yeah, they, they took the stat from Squawka, uh, but Kurt Zuma had more shots than any other player against Arsenal with four. That's not where you want to be. I, I love Kurt. I, I genuinely appreciate everything about Kurt. One of those was a header, to be fair to him, uh, that was deflected against the bar. But uh, the other three were um, shots that I'm pretty sure that I could have done from outside the, the box. Oh, this is one of the patented Nick Verlaney, I could have hit this in. I, I could have hit it that wide, yeah. <laughs> I'm, pre- I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure I could have hit, maybe not with as much power, because he's a, he's a big lad, uh, but I could have hit it directionally that way, yeah. I mean, he hits it with some power, that is for sure. Uh, but not exactly what you want to see, especially in a game you scored no goals. I mean, if you're like up big... And he's just ripping shots for fun because it's already 4-0. All right, whatever, but not the case today. Uh, at XG Philosophy with the 1.85 expected goals for Chelsea to 0.59 Arsenal. Yet we lost 0-1. to So XG pulling its weight per usual. Statman Dave says, Chelsea's last nine Premier League defeats against Arsenal have been with a different manager in the dugout. What a poor list of these managers. Claudio Ranieri, Avram Grant, Felipe Scolari, Carlo Ancelotti, Andres Villas-Boas, Antonio Conte, Maurizio Sarri, Frank Lampard, and Thomas Tuchel. Dan, what what is this sneaky little line you put in here? A surprise Look, I'm, stat? I'm going to bring a surprise stat. Uh, yeah, the last time that Chelsea lost in the Premier League to Arsenal was a 5-3 de- uh, at Stamford Bridge, 5-3 defeat. 2011-2012 season. That was the last time we lost at the bridge? Yeah. To Arsenal? Again, I mean, I think it's one of those things like... You're looking for some sauce. You're looking for some mojo. You're trying to find some type of silver lining. I'm trying to deliver it on a platter to you all. I think we're trying to dig too much into 2012 and say, oh, this happened too. Oh, by the way, this happened. These aren't like recipes for success. Losing at home to Arsenal is not... A recipe for winning the Champions League. You wouldn't trade a home loss to Arsenal every nine years for a Champions League? I do it. Sign me up. 
Yeah, you're you're you like frantically s- like searching through the cupboard. Like, damn it, what was the recipe the last time? Like, ah, oh, all right, well dude, let's give dude, this I'm a going shot. Full Charlie Always Sunny Philadelphia with my string map theory. Like, let's go. 2012 yeah. Redux. That's what you need to break down a match this incredibly stupid. That guy. Yeah. Well, well. Hey, we'll do our best shot, but uh, we're gonna take a quick ag break. Thanks to sponsors for financially supporting the show. When we're back. We're gonna start right away with what went wrong and and even the lineup. So, uh, yeah, be right back. All right. So, Chelsea fans, I guess the the first place to start is usually the first thing that's announced, and that would be the lineup. All right, for this one. Um, I mean, like I said, at, at, at Absolute Chelsea, kind of had Tuchel's quotes here after the match. Said, I'm not happy with what I saw. I have my responsibility because I picked the lineup. But the performance was a performance. He seemed really upset with himself, Dan, afterwards. Um, more upset with him. I think that he, like, trusted the wrong players almost. I mean, the 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 reporter even tried to dig into it. And he's like, no, 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 I'm not going to tell you who or what let me down. But um, he, he seemed to be – he even hinted that, like, he wasn't happy with what he saw in training yesterday. Almost like the team – weren't mentally sharp or, you know, kind of weren't taking it serious. Something uh, kind of foreshadowed for him that today wasn't going to be a good day. And it sounds like uh, his instincts were right when he was kind of assessing the team, um, you know, in these three days heading into this one. Well, it's one thing to be able to see the danger or feel the premonitions that something bad is about to happen. It's another thing to to circumvent them or to swerve appropriately. And we didn't, didn't necessarily do that fully. I appreciate his response at the end of the match. I mean, I think generally the, there's a universal, I think, appreciation for the way Tuchel's handle himself in front of the media and the, the press and, and what he said. And look, this is another example of him owning up to something. I think it's a valid assessment of the game that there was a lot of slow movement on and off the ball. There was a lot of uninspired performances from what we've seen. This definitely felt like the the letdown from, I think, what was a really impressive, high-energy, high-octane game versus City. And, you know, we've seen this happen before, Nick, where, you know, the next game after a really impressive win against a side that we maybe shouldn't have won against in another day and another time, we just come out and look a little slow and get get punched in the mouth. Yeah, I mean, we said this before, and it's hard to be super critical given the incredible run the team's been on the last three months. So I don't want to like I don't want to discount that or be flippant toward that. But these types of results have happened under every Chelsea manager for the last ten years. They just have. And they're almost predictable at this point. Like, I felt terrible coming into this game. Riding an emotional high, playing against a team that you should beat, who we know that, you know, Chelsea this season has struggled against teams who play in a low block, ultra-defensive formation. And, you know, with the amount of, you know, lineup changes that have happened in the past handful of matches, Brandon... I think you could have forgiven Tuchel for for tinkering a little bit, but there were just there was no there was no energy, there was no passion, there was no real enthusiasm, and there was certainly no path to goal. I mean, it, it was you know I guess credit Arsenal for some of that for for setting literally eleven players behind the, <laughs> behind their halfway line and just saying I guess you can't score, uh, but it was. Uh, 
it, it was it was just not the right move. And and I think where I would give Tuchel a lot of criticism today is for not recognizing that in the first half and making changes earlier. I, I think a guy that smart who's made as many good decisions as he has this year has a tendency to stick with those decisions until the 65th minute, regardless of the outcomes. And I think, I think this would have been a classic first half sub show, show your players that you're serious kind of day. And it didn't happen. I mean, when you see the the Arsenal lineup, you know, they got a back five and they've got Thomas Partey and, and El Neni two holding mids, right? Like they are coming out to be hard to beat from the beginning. You had Smith Rowe, Odegaard in behind Aubameyang. So you're like, okay, Odegaard maybe won't track back as much. Smith Smith Rowe will do the work as a young up and coming player, and uh, Aubameyang is, you know, he's he's gonna do his thing. Um, it, uh, to to the point though about subs, I mean, maybe it wasn't the right sub, but Callum came on at halftime. You know, right after halftime. So there was a desire, I think, to try to change the game. It was weird that it was Billy who came off and not maybe Jorginho or kind of another or maybe like two subs potentially. But I think to the point that Tupo was making, too, about some of like the fatigue for Angola Conte, right? Like he wasn't able to play this match due to concern about pain management for his Achilles. Like that... This is actually showing that the squad, I think, is being strained a little bit. And, like, you you know, in the Premier League, you only make three subs. Like, we are still feeling the effects of a terrible decision, like, many, many months in the future, where if we could have used five today, maybe you do get the two subs at halftime or three subs at halftime where you try to change the game and give yourself the potential to sub someone in for an injury concern. Look, I, well, I guess going over to Chelsea's lineup, like, I, this team on paper is far, is plenty good enough to beat the team on the other side of the pitch. It just didn't happen. Sometimes you have to go man to man, and giving up a goal so early and letting Arsenal sit deep is a problem. That that played it in their hands so hard that it was you know really tough for Chelsea at that point because Arsenal had what they needed. They didn't need any more, and they just sat back uh, like their lives depended on it, and they were able to you know defend with eleven, and that's what happened. Um, Tuchel talked about their approach, just saying that they all lack concentration and focus. So it's unusual. He goes, maybe I gave signals to the team with the changes that Saturday was on my mind. He expected to win every single game. The presenter or the reporter asked him, Hey, do you feel like the games are coming too fast this season? Tuchel said, no, Nick. He's like, Hey, that, we had three days to prepare. He goes, this is a London Derby. Like, I don't know what more these players needed. And again, uh, the, the zest wasn't there. But I guess my my point to that is, can, can you blame the players for not having one eye on the weekend, FA Cup final, don't want to get injured, don't want to pull a hamstring? Did you feel like they didn't have their foot on the gas pedal, pushing as hard as they should have been? Um, the problem with losing winnable games early in the season is it puts every it puts more pressure on every subsequent game in the race for the top four. So when you lose at home to West Brom it puts a lot of pressure on this game instead of giving you a little bit of wiggle room to do what you need to do. Now, Chelsea have dropped out of the top four, you know, that, that, you know, could be shrunk down to three points by West Ham, I think tomorrow. Uh, but this, this type of game, the, the reason why it's a trap game is obviously what you have at the weekend, right? 
But this type of game is almost just as important as the weekend. Like if if you beat Arsenal and you go nine points clear of West Ham at the at the time of recording in in the Premier League, it puts more pressure on them, and they've been choking lately. And if they choke and Liverpool choke, then you're then you're in top four, and you can take those last two games a little less seriously in preparation for for all that you have coming up in the Champions League. So I mean, I guess I can't blame them. You know, I, I think it's it would be natural for any player to look at the weekend and go, God, I hope I can play in, in an FA Cup final, and I hope I'm I hope I'm not the the person that's played against Arsenal during the midweek. But I mean. Shit, I mean, if you were hoping, if you were playing today and you were hoping to get it at the weekend, good luck. I mean, I thought Christian looked good. He looked okay. Would you say I, like the attack failed more than anything? I mean, if the defense really didn't offer anything. Again, you know, Arsenal only getting two shots on target, one of them being the goal. I mean, defensively, I thought outside of the wild air, they, they limited. I mean, the Arsenal were limp in attack. So to, to that point, like Arsenal, like we talked about the XG, right? 0.59 to Arsenal. The uh, Almost the entirety of that was the shot we gave away. I mean, they, they you know, to the point you're making, Brandon, like, you know, nothing that Arsenal was doing really after that goal came into effect was trying to go out and get another. And I think the a real challenge heading into next season, uh, because I think the teams that we play the remainder of this year, right, playing Leicester twice, playing City once, those are teams that are going to want to have the ball just as much as we're going to want to have the ball. Um, maybe Villa might hunker down, but I, I could see them, you know, with Grealish back, potentially healthy, playing a little bit more openly. Teams that are willing to sit back and make life difficult for us is going to be a problem for Thomas Tuchel to figure out during the offseason. Because this is something not just to Arsenal, but lower level sides, lower league sides who are going to give us eight to defend against, ten to defend against. We're we're gonna we struggle. We we do not have the type of players or speed within our passing to effectively draw players out. Like this actually I I know it's not your favorite, Nick, but like Timo probably would have, you know, if we kind of kept back for a bit. It gave you an opportunity potentially to pull some players out of space and try to create a little bit of separation because there was just no, there was no lane to pass into. There was no way to move around what was essentially an immovable object in 10 Arsenal defenders. Yeah, I mean, there, there are a couple of things. I'm, I'll get to the, the, the striker conundrum here in a second. You had a moment, I think it was the 10th minute, where Kai Havertz is in on goal due to a huge Arsenal error by Mari. And he blasts it 40 yards over the goal for no reason whatsoever. Never, I've never seen him take a shot like that before. Um, he, he's usually, you know, I think trying to be too cute in the placement <laughs> rather than with too much power. And if you think about what that goal would have meant to this game... It would have meant that Arsenal would have had to come out of their shell and it would have meant that we would have got to play the game that we want to play, which is get in behind and counterattack. Those are the margins in the Premier League. And instead, we ran into a brick wall for 90 plus minutes with nothing to show for it. Flip, flip that scenario now. And I don't think Werner or Havertz were the right call, knowing what we know now. When Giroud came on, we looked a hell of a lot more dangerous because we had a target guy to aim at. And he got unlucky to 
hit the bar and he got unlucky to shank a, a ball wide, but he was getting into the right areas to at least flick a ball onto someone else or cause some sort of havoc on a set piece. And that's, that's something that Tuchel, I, I know he does not favor Giroud. I know he doesn't favor Abraham. I know he doesn't favor some of our players and he's been pretty clear about that, but that's where he has to tip his cap and go, well, I got this way wrong and we, we need the battering ram in there. We need to start breaking down these doors. And that, you know, your point about uh, Callum coming on the first half is right. Uh, you know, I've, if it's after halftime, it's not a first half sub for me. But, like, you're you're 100% right on that. But I would have thrown Giroux on at the same time. <laughs> like, look, Kai, today ain't your day. <laughs> Sorry. We, we got we to try something different. And I, you know, I think we looked slightly better in the last, whatever, 20 minutes that, you know, he was playing. But it was, it was too little too late. And it's really hard to make an impact as a sub in, in a game like this. Yeah, I actually thought... Uh, Ziyech was a good sub that seemed like it make, made a lot of sense. Um, you know, I, I mean, I also, I, I don't know if I agree with the, the idea of Giroud coming on and changing the game. Like the, the whole situation here is needing to pull, like, you know, it, it's something that's stuck together. You need to like pull this apart and create more space. And Giroud's not, not the best at creating <laughs> pockets of space. Like he's good at holding it up, but like holding it up to go where? How are you pulling it apart? Yeah. So at one point I was wa- like, we were watching with a couple of my coworkers who don't know anything about soccer and they're asking questions, but like all 11 of Arsenal's players were within 35 yards of the goal. So Dan, the only thing they were trying to pull apart was laterally because there was nothing from a vertical standpoint that they could do. I think even if you put Timo in there, he's going to get lost. I mean, Arsenal's back line were inside their 18 the whole time. There was nowhere to go. I think Nick's point, Dan, is that he's looking to, to challenge them aerially potentially win it himself or knock it down to someone else. And we actually saw that Arsenal were pretty terrible at defending crosses today. Uh, There's a lot of times you get two Arsenal defenders next to each other. They don't know who's clearing it. They half cleared it. Even El Nenny at the end, uh, which should have been carded when he took a shit touch, went right to Mason and he got his foot on it. Um, Sometimes I think they're just looking to throw it in the mixer, right? Jumbled up, put it in a dangerous spot. And hope that, you know, something comes out of it because, I mean, Arsenal didn't look like didn't look confident in their clearances and things like that. And I think that's probably more of what what Nick's point about is, is there there was no vertical option at all unless you caught them on a free kick counter or something like that. And just that really didn't happen. They only had a couple corner kicks themselves. So like they they were very comfortable if we had like the passing master arson I mean fuck david louise would be at his penalty spot the entire match today i mean he didn't leave it, i mean it's yeah i used the wrong analogy the wrong uh siege mentality uh metaphor but we were doing the battering ram thing on the ground and it wasn't working so we need to throw those grappling hooks up there and go over the wall <laughs> like i mean and it just to me you know kai got the ball in the box what twice when he was in, I, there, there was really no room, and 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 the other time when, of course, he skied it, but you know he took that shot way too early. And it, it, to the point Brandon made, though, it was so funny just how easily when we did move quickly, we could get them on like a, a cutback, 
into the box. Like we mm-hmm. were perfectly fine. Like Reese got forward enough. Uh, ben got forward enough. Like, and actually I think the left side is where Arsenal found a ton of joy. I don't think Kurt and Jorginho paired up entirely well at all today. And I think Arsenal went at it and found goodness there. And that actually is what led to the turnover and the, the, the goal. Um, but the the right hand side, like you know, as he was getting forward, Reese was getting forward. We were finding ways to get the ball back into a dangerous position, and and so I don't know. I I feel like we just could have benefited from more pace. But like, again, you know, I, I think to the the overarching piece, like we also had shots and we didn't convert our shots, and so you know, we 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 could have won this game easily. <laughs> Yeah, and again, I think we all agree that we gave this one away. It's not like we got beat by Arsenal. We just freaking gifted it to him. And I saw an interesting tweet from someone is, who is blaming Zuma for the goal more than Jorginho. And then I saw someone else in the threat, and this threat blew up. And then I saw someone blame the goalkeeper. Oh, what the fuck are you blaming Kepa on that? Like, the reason he goes outside of his post is in case it's a shit back pass or he messes it up, it goes out for a corner, not a goal. Like, Jorginho didn't pick up his head and and passed it completely wrong. Like I understand Zuma probably put Jorginho in a bad situation, but Jorginho's a, a, reg, a regista, right? He he is a pass master. That is his skill set. I don't I didn't I didn't really get that in the whole it's Zuma's either. fault or it's anyone but Jorginho's fault. And I think he he'd admit that. Like he just didn't pick up his head, played the ball where he thought Keppel was gonna be, and that's it. It was an inexplicable mistake. I mean, like, how many times has he passed the ball back to goal? A I, lot. I, honestly, I think twenty-seven thousand this season. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah, it, it was it was a it was a bad sequence for everyone involved. Uh, I think when you start to try to attribute blame in percentages, it makes it very frustrating. And like, yes, could Kurt have passed it a different way, or if he's under pressure, cleared it out? Could Jorginho have passed it into a different space? Could Not it, into the like, goal that was unoccupied? Yeah. Seems Which is pretty... interesting. It's Tuchel's comments afterwards were that you pass it to his right foot. Like, that was the post-match interview. It was like, you, you pass it to Kepa's right. So he's you, going but left. But he didn't look up. But he didn't yeah, look up. Look, so, like, <laughs> I, the, the correct answer every time is you pass to where the fuck the player is. Uh, so... Anyways, again, not to to say, I mean, Georgina made a mistake, like the team had to rally around him, but I just want to say, like, there's a lot of things we can blame Keppa for, mainly the last couple seasons. This was not it, okay? No, like, no. The, Keppa did incredible to get back. I, I, I thought especially it was a, after he slipped. Yeah. I thought, like, it would have been an indirect free kick, right? That's what they were saying, because it was technically a back pass, and he touched it off the line with his hand. So they would have had it on the six-yard line, and who knows what the hell kind of Benny Hill music is going to play after that, you know, when you get in into that situation. But I thought he did phenomenal to get back for yeah. it. I, I did. I mean, it was crazy. So um, the next thing we wanted to touch on is why Arsenal? It, it, it seems to be a team that has tripped us up season after season, manager after manager, for whatever reason, you know, beat them in the Europa League lost to him in the FA Cup season after season definitely dropping some points you know Arteta doing the double over Chelsea this season what the fuck it is it's something i don't understand i like i you know i was joking about this but it's it is kind of true in a way 
Losing to this Arsenal team is a fireable offense. This is, and I and I'm I'm saying that slightly jokingly about Tuchel, obviously, but every previous manager, <laughs> like look at that list that we that we named earlier, like it, it's crazy. And tweets said something that summed up my thoughts uh, perfectly, and I need to find it. To uh, do. do, do. Uh, sorry. All right. Yes. Um, oh, they're terrible. What's weird is that every time we play them, I'm convinced that this is the worst Arsenal team I've ever seen. And yet here we are. Seriously. Who's like that? That's tweeds. That's from the, from the, can't read his WhatsApps, man. From the group earlier. But it is, it, it, that is how I feel every time. Like that is how I feel. And it is. This team, like, we've seen them at their abject worst be laughable. I mean, even the season, right? Uh, Like, they have a couple of shining moments, but look, they are on They beat us 4-0 on aggregate this year. They're they're on a very clear trajectory going down, right? Um, Their owners are shocking. I think Arteta's been found out that he can't do much with this group. I think the players have shown... Outside of Bukayo Sako and I think Smith Rowe, he's done a really good job this season. Like, there's not a lot in that squad. Tierney, right? If he can stay healthy. I mean, even their goalkeeper who used to be one of the rocks is Emmy Martinez is putting him in his his shadow very quickly at, at Villa ever since he left. So I just think it's a poorly run club in general. I mean, there's a reason that no other club can emulate AFTV, and I hate to break it to you. It ain't because they got Robbie. Right, it's because their their team, their club is in in constant turmoil and in disaster. Um, but look, we we were lamenting Dan that it seemed like Ole Gunnar Solskjaer had Lampard's number, <laughs> could not get a result against that lot. Now we're just it it just more inconsistency against Arsenal. My, two of my best friends, you guys know, us Arsenal fans. You know, I asked them how they're feeling headed in this one. I said, look, you guys don't really... Wait, two of your best friends? Yeah, yeah. Because two of your best friends are right here. We're Chelsea fans. Yes. So I just... I have, like, the I have insinuation others. right now is not good. I, I have others. Um, they, you know, I they, don't, I don't they, choose to believe that. They're, they're pretty confident that uh, Chelsea have no problems against this side. And I, I remind them, I said, look, Chelsea have been pretty non-reliable when it comes to playing Arsenal. And what... That that type of goal goes in, you're just like, holy shit, it's going to happen. It's going to be one of those days. They didn't attack the goal all no. day, and they no, no. won. I mean, it's it is just it's inexplicable that this, and, and I think it has to be mental. I think it has to be a mental thing. You lost in the FA Cup final, and you lost in December. And even though there is a significant and ridiculous gap between the two teams right now. It has to play into your head. I mean, I, I I would guess that's the case. It is. It's just wild to me, Dan, that we could go from the high of last week, which is is as high as we've been as Chelsea fans um, on results, not on any funny substances, you guys. Uh, for for some time, probably since Conte, right? I mean. They're vitamins, Nick. I don't know what you're talking vitamins, about. Vitamins, yes. I feel supplements. Feel lighter. Um, but it's it's as high as, as we've been since the the Conte season um, that that we won the league. It's probably the best that we felt about some of these results. And then to go and lose to this Arsenal team, 
it just is it reminds you that they're not all of the bad um bad luck is out of the side yet look i don't think any one match is a fireable offense like mm. we, we we've lost we've lost terrible teams like it is the premier league it's an any given day type of situation something can happen you know, look, this Arsenal team, since Tuchel has arrived, has, is 11th in the post-Tuchel era table, right? It's like they are just ahead of Brighton on total points. Their goal difference before today was plus five. Like, they are not the best team, but, like, these are the type of teams we struggle against. And, like, this is just, this is all great data. It's a great profile for what we need to work on heading into the summer because, there will be more teams that try to do this against us because it produces a result. And that is the thing for Tuchel to go fix now. And I think, thankfully, if you look at the opposition we play against over the next couple of games, I don't foresee a Leicester, a Villa potentially, and but a City trying to play this way against us. Like, that's just not going to be what happens. And so I feel good that we've gotten this loss out of our system. I would rather that we lose this match than lose any of the remainder. So this is good. This is good. It's healthy. This is the fire that is curing, you know, the fire that we need to have, the healthy burn. Yeah. So my my answer to my own question is that I don't think it's an Arsenal thing. I think it's more Dan's point. It was a bit of a pressure cooker. Um, one eye looking ahead to the FA Cup final. I think these are all factors that went into to this loss. Like the players are tired. Tuchel said that he can't even play Rudiger because he's close to red on the fatigue scale Christensen already went down I mean we we had to rotate some player Conte's managing his pain level and his Achilles like there's just just a lot of things that you know these these that goes into this and you know who knows how many of those other players are in the yellow or maybe low yellow as well that can't give 100% because that's going to put them at an increased risk of injury and things like that so again I just plan every three days being in cup finals, it's exhausting. I know the players always say they want to play, but I just, to me, it seems like a, an accumulation of circumstance of, of why this game happened. It, it, it's really telling, I think, that Kovacic has been brought up in the last like five press conferences because I think the midfield right now is the area you look at. And if there's one more injury, we are fucked. I mean, th- that is. That is just the long and short of where we are uh, with with the midfield. Someone like Kovacic today, if he would have been brought in with fresh legs, I think would have either complimented Jorginho or complimented Gilmore better than they complimented each other. Um, and, you know, look, you got a rest in Gola. We've seen the injury history over the last couple of seasons. There's no no sense in playing players like Rudiger or Christensen, obviously, who are on injuries. Rudiger has a broken jaw for fuck's sake. I mean, he's like, he's, he's a hurting unit right now. I was, I was really, I guess, disappointed that Callum didn't start today. And like, maybe you bring Mason and Callum in together. Maybe it's Christian and Callum, but like to have, you know, a player who I think really showed something at the end of city, not get the nod, I think is a little difficult. And I know Tuchel, says, hey, not everyone can start or whatever, but it's it's just uh, he's a fresh pair of legs in a game that needed someone dynamic to break through a, a you know, a brick wall. And it, it seemed seemed a bit of a miss, it, even though Mountain Pulisic didn't play bad. I was just kind of befuddled by that a little bit. I think the interesting thing is going to be is this is the 
only the second loss uh, in the Premier League era of Thomas Tuchel. So we'll get a chance to see what the response looks like. And I think that's going to be probably the most telling thing, you know, is how do we respond after this type of performance? And can we go out now on the weekend in a cup final and get the job done? How do we respond after that? And I, I think we've seen that Tuchel has done a really good job so far in tougher moments, showcasing a good response. And I think this, if this ends up having a positive result and we do really well on the weekend and we do really well versus Leicester, all it's going to be is data points for how do we attack this type of opposition in the future. So I think that's kind of where I wanted to turn a wrap with. And again, I I'm I want to go on record saying I don't I don't think Arsenal beat us. I think we just kind of ran out of gas and and you know one silly mistake. It probably should have been nil nil. Hey, that 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 line being cut down hurt us too. What the gas shortage affected Sanford Bridge? <sighs> Anyways, what I no wanted tonight. Okay, what great. I wanted to get to tough crowd here at the old <laughs> London is Blue Comedy Club, Dan. Can't can't wait to see what Discord has to can't say about that. What's the deal? What's the deal with airline food? You know. Mm. Um, so, uh, what I wanted to kind of wrap <laughs> up with was, um, you know, will this affect us going into the weekend? Reese James was asked post match. If this is going to rattle confidence heading into the FA Cup against Leicester. And Reese is a, a pretty quiet guy. And he actually almost laughed at the reporter. I mean, because he's like, of course not. He's like, we're not going to let this one, you know, 90-minute uh, blip affect us going into an FA Cup final. Like, this team, uh, you know, and saying, like, I'm not worried about Tuchel. And again, the fact that he felt like he saw what went wrong and saw what le- happened leading up to what went wrong, and thought he saw something, wasn't sure, but now it's validated. I, I just, I feel like he knows this squad and what needs to happen so well. Obviously, short turnaround, but like heading into the FA Cup final, like I'm not worried about this team and this squad or anything. Like I fully expect them to go out, fly out of the gates. I know Leicester got a victory over United, but again, I think they laid down about as hard as anyone could have for that match. And it's going to be a completely different performance in team. I mean, FA Cup freaking final. Going to Wembley, Dan. It's completely different. I, I, I'm not worried about it personally. Should we be worried about it? Because I'm not worried about it. This is this again. There's like a talking I, I, point. I think we're done with it. Yeah. Let's just put it to bed. Let's put it to bed. I, I don't think we're worried. Nick might be worried. I'm not worried. I think we're going to go win it still. I mean, it's, it's a cup final. You'd rather be going in on momentum than not, but... You know, I also think to to your point, Brandon, Leicester's momentum was a bit of a false dawn. I mean, that United did not show up to um, to win that match, and it like from a competition committee perspective, the fact that they did not play because of fan invaders, uh, you know, two weeks ago or last week, whatever it was, and now they have these three matches in a row, and they basically just laid down in these matches to say, fuck off. We already have our top four spot is so shitty. And, you know, just deduct them all the points. That club is just a shambles. They're just the worst. All right. Well, that was a lot shorter than I thought. So, uh, anyways, we've got some probabilities here from 538, Dan. Uh, So do you want to shake the tree and see what falls out? I, I, you know, (laughs) speaking of nerves, 
Uh, I feel like this has changed dramatically since we last looked at it. Well, when it had us at a 92 to 94% uh, prob- probability, rather, of finishing top four to now be at a 79, which is still very, very strong. But we have opened the door just a touch to Liverpool. And so, unfortunately, as disgusting as it is letting these words come out of my mouth, I'm going to let them fall anyway. We are all rooting for Manchester United to beat Liverpool. A hundred percent. And that would be a wonderful gift from uh, the one, you know, Manchester's finest PE teacher would be uh, really helpful if he could just pull one out for us here. Coach him up, coach. Do it. <laughs> we'll have to see. I mean, it's always Look, good. If we, beat, if we beat Leicester in the league, like that still gives Liverpool an opportunity. They've got a pretty you know, fair run in after United. So, look, the reality is that you just got to got to win got to win our games and not worry about it if we we can get a little bit of cushion back if liverpool lose tomorrow well i mean the table is as such right uh, man city clearly champions great united on 70 less round 66 with 36 played chelsea on 64 36 played west ham played tomorrow i think right or is it the, at the weekend we'll come back to that and then Liverpool, because of the United shambles, are on 34 matches played uh, with 57 points. So, you know, if they beat United, that'll take them up to, to 60 and then they would get up to 63. So, like, they even level on, on games, they wouldn't be biased yet, but it would make it a hell of a lot more nervy. Um. Yeah. You know, especially if we don't beat Leicester in the league, because that, you know, you have to remember that's on a two day turnaround. You know, we play Saturday and then we turn around for Tuesday and Sunday is always going to be the a pure rest day. So you, you have essentially two or one day of training and, and a match day. And it's crazy. Yeah. So West Ham played the weekend. But, you know, Liverpool, like you said, play United on Thursday, probably when you're listening to this and have to turn around and play again on Sunday. You know, so they're part of this team that's crunch team. A lot of teams say, and I'd rather have the points now than the games in hand at this point in the season. Holy shit, though. Liverpool getting to 63, West Ham getting to 61 potentially, um, and us at 64 would would uh, crank up the heat, to say the least. I mean, West Ham are playing Brighton away. You'd assume that there's points to be had there for them unless they just actually crumble and completely fall apart. But um, absolute... I mean, nerves at this point. It almost seems like Leicester's too far to catch, and we were just ahead of them. But you can flip it. You know, you you win, and they don't pick up any points, and then now you're at 67, they're at 66. So now they're the ones who are continuing to look back. And again, they have the much harder run-in. They also have Spurs remaining as well, and they've picked up a, a little bit of form, so you might think they're... I mean, Brighton, two two draws and a win out of their last five. Like, that's not to say that West Ham, who have lost three out of their last five, might not drop some more points here. Um, and even Liverpool, on resurgent form, um, are two draws and three wins out of their last five. So don't book them to get everything either. Like, you know, look, I think we're going to catch a little bit of luck. We're going to win a little bit of ours. You know, it's going to be a combination of luck and our own results, and we're going to finish top four. I I mean I hope so. You know Liverpool have shrug emoji. United, West Brom, Burnley, and Crystal Palace. I mean the 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 good news for us is they just have four matches left in the time that we have two. But we have the Cup final and Champions League. Just again, it adds layers to to this whole thing we're doing. But 
big teams want to be in these situations and it was always going to be a tough season. You know, we've got, I, I, I just think that Leicester match and the league after the FA cup is just going to be the, the biggest of bogeys. And I, I don't know what to expect. I mean, you win the FA cup. I, I don't, I don't know what to expect really coming out of that. I, I don't think there's going to be much in it, um, whatever. And it's almost nice having Villa at the end of the season, but they're the type of team that are still trying to prove themselves and can show up on the last day of the season. I, I hope they're on the beach. I mean, they're safe. They aren't fighting on the last day for relegation or whatever. So I'm, I'm hopeful, but uh, yeah, Chelsea and Leicester are in the exact same position in both games that they're playing, right? They both want to win a final and they both want to get top four. Yeah. And those games are two days apart. It is absolutely insane. Script uh, writers. The cards, this year. the cards fell that way. So, yeah, I mean, you you could see Leicester going after last year, maybe not fielding their strongest side in the cup final because they want to they want to secure top four. Like you could easily see that happening, and Chelsea's going to have to respond. I, I I don't know. I do. I actually do think you're a little right. I think that they a little must right. feel terrible bouncing out of a Champions League spot last season. I, I do think they want it. It seems like it matches the ambitions of where they're at. They're making shrewd signings. They continue to bring in players that a year later, two years later, they're selling for three to four times the value. Like they are just a really like all, all credit to their organization. They are they are a smart. They're team. a well-run football club. Uh, it, it would actually. Um, I would love for a world where it is Leicester and, and Chelsea are both in the top four and you don't have West Ham or Liverpool because I just I think that they are credit to the English game and they're doing things in a way within their means. Um, look, and again, in their means for a Premier League side is way better than in their means for most other teams in Europe. So they do have a financial advantage there. But yeah, I, I, you know, they had there has to be another team in the top four with us. Um, you know, it, again, they're a they're a been a factor of no distractions playing once sometimes twice a week you know i think i don't think that they have the depth to to balance champions league let alone europa league and the premier league but hey that they've earned that right to find out as of right now so we'll see if they can stick it in and get up there um as we look ahead to the fa cup final because that's really the only thing up on the radar just that liam toomey tweeting that christian pulisic uh, was limping um, off the pitch a little bit at the end. But I mean, if I got the shit kicked out of me and, and rammed with knees and things like that, I mean, I'm sure something on me would ache. Should, should we talk a little lineup projection since we'll probably not get to that before the, the final? This is a five pod week after all. Yeah. <laughs> it's just your classic standard five potter. Um, it, it is confirmed that Kepa is going to be the goalie. Um, again, the goal today was not his fault. Uh, so I, you know, I wouldn't look too much into that Kappa haters. If you're, if you're on that second thing of note, uh, I think is that Pulisic is likely, I think after playing the last two matches, he's probably not going to play. And so I would anticipate a Ziyech and Mount pairing behind Werner on, uh, on Sunday or Saturday, Saturday. Uh, and then hopefully N'Golo and a combination of Billy and or combination of Billy and Jorginho, whoever makes it out of this one alive um, is, uh, is, is playing midfield because my guess is that we're probably going to have the same 
back five. I don't know if Alonzo gets the nod in the FA Cup final. I mean, maybe? Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I could see it. I, I could, you know, again, like we, we're, I think we're trying to project maybe, you know, who we think is healthy is going to be a big part of it. Who do we think gets its minutes? Uh, you know, whomever didn't start, I think, is in prime contention, um, you know, to play. So I, I think you do see... Timo, I think you do see Ziesh. Um, I, I think Alonso could be in. Yeah, why not? Um, what I will say is we're going to wear a disgusting looking jersey and it's going to be in the photos where the team is lifting <laughs> the trophy. <laughs> oh, they took the, uh, they took the Queens gambit a little too seriously, Dan. Um, yeah. <laughs> they really. They set up the board on on the they shirt. They stayed in the psychedelic phase and uh, didn't make it to the uh, the final. Uh, they they really just stuck there. Boy, um, Nike when they started, real clean, real simple, uh, and then they've they've gone off the. Uh, they went to art school and they started uh, messing around with some uh, some different impressionists. They started mixing and matching patterns. They started to. Uh, you know, we had the Marvel kit uh, two seasons ago, <laughs> which is essentially the the bridge uh, imprinted on the shirt. I, there have been some goofy looking shirts that Nike's put out. And uh, just a note, because I know they listen to the show. Uh, hey, guys, simple, clean, always better. Always and, better. And, and cheaper to design, too, because you can literally put it together in two minutes. Yeah. Just, I mean, I'm not an artist, but... The orange and black thing you did a couple of years ago, that was pretty neat, you know? Uh, the yellow and blue from two seasons ago, also nice, you know? The white just, away kit a couple of years ago? Yeah. Last hey, guys, year. let's just maybe take it easy on the patterns, huh? And that is your fashion update from the London is Blue podcast. And with that being said, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, Arsenal match review in the bag uh but hey you don't have to leave this bad tasting mouth too long we're going to be recording with matt law uh, and that'll come out friday as well so uh definitely a much more lighthearted. um i'm sure he has a lot to talk about uh <laughs> just with what he's been writing about and what's been going on in the the chelsea match so yeah it'll be fun to preview the fa cup with him and uh get his take on all things chelsea as it currently stands so um Check it out. If you want to uh, join us on Patreon, we love it. A huge shout out to King Conte, Doug, Max, and Andrea all joining us, getting into the Discord, getting stuck in. Um, it's it's just one of the, the best Chelsea communities uh, out there. Thankfully, um, it's the best because we're not uh, a part of it, ruining it. So it's actual good people. Um, what's what's the update, Dan, on, on the shirts huh? for the people? For the people, you want to give people what they want? Um, look, uh, we've ordered the shirts. The shirt proof has been approved. What shirts? The payment has been sent for shirts. The Why Not Us shirts, uh. which are going to look so great as you celebrate a FA Cup and Champions League final season, uh, winning season for this Chelsea side. Um, we will be getting um, them in hand either the 18th or the 19th. And uh, we've got a, a label printer. Uh, we've got bags to ship them in, uh, 100% compostable bags too, which is nice. Um, look, we're excited. We're excited to get some merch out finally. And uh, we will uh, start accepting orders uh, in the next uh, coming days. So stay tuned to our social. Soups. Soups excited. 
uh, it'll be it'll be great. And it's kind of a one off. We're trying to uh, get this off the ground running really quick before we are able to get to the everything else that we wanted to do. So appreciate the patience while we learn this, um, but we're going to get it right the first time. So anyways, uh, hope you've enjoyed the fourth podcast of the week. Uh, Joe Tweed's Kings Road uh, part two interview with Reuben, Reuben Samut came out uh, yesterday. So go back and, and listen to that and, and provide Joe the feedback if you're looking for it at Joe Tweedy on uh, social media. So anyways, that's going to wrap us up. Chelsea fans, uh, don't let this one get you two down. Like I said, Arsenal, it's not like they played us off the pitch. Far from it. Um, just a bit of a hiccup in our journey for top four and two trophies. So anyways, that's going to wrap us up. So until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do? Keep the blue flag flying high.